Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Mark Topkin is back from the All-Star Game in Cleveland. He'll give us baseball's reaction to the Rays' plan to split their season in Montreal. We'll break down what the Rays have to do after the break to remain in contention. And could they find some relief for their fractured bullpen? And what players could return from the I.L.? in order to give the Rays the boost. we got Mark Topkin in just a minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstink. Hey, folks, if you'd like to uh, sponsor a part of this podcast, we've got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are having great success, and you will too. Now, here's what you do. For information, just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you be part of our team. Okay, Mark Topkin joins us now. Uh, Mark, you just returned from the All-Star Game, of course, in Cleveland. You were there uh, for several days, and you wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times about the reaction from uh, some players and others in baseball about the Rays' plan to split their season in Montreal. It seemed like that uh, that, that some opinions varied, but but mostly it uh, sounded like there weren't many that uh, were all too optimistic how this thing would work. Yeah, and I think, you know, you'd expect that from the player perspective. That was kind of, you know, the premise going in was to just talk to a, a bunch of different players, you know, from different teams, different levels of experience, different familiarity with the market. And, you know, I think we, we all kind of knew or expected the players to be most concerned about how this would impact them and you know, their lives, the hardships and moving. It was interesting to hear a couple guys, even from some National League teams, though, kind of say, well, they got to do something and, um, you know, it's weird, but yeah, maybe they should try it. And, um, so that was kind of interesting. And, and obviously, you know, I thought Pete Alonzo, the Tampa guy, uh, you know, kind of biased, I'm sure. And as he should be and saying, you know, he thought they could definitely work in Tampa. And then, you know, that's somebody who does know the layout, doesn't know the geography. So that was interesting. And then talking to some of the former players, I mean, ran into Pedro Martinez, who obviously had four years in Montreal. And, you know, he talked a little bit about what it was like playing there and, you know, how much passion there was in Montreal. And then, you know, a couple of the agents, Scott Boris, who I'd already talked to <clears throat> once about this and revisited with him. And he was even like doubling down on his criticism of it and said, this will put a pox on the franchise. So if they do, maybe there's a good name in there for them or something. They could be the Tampa Bay Montreal pox kind of play <laughs> off of that. But, and I talked to another agent, Joel Wolf, who's, you know, pretty big time and who actually has some family ties to Montreal, which I wasn't aware of originally, but, he thought it was a really interesting idea, and yeah, that was a little bit of a different perspective. And you know, like I said, a couple of the players were, were more open to it than others. So it'll be curious to see. I mean, it's a it was a limited contingent, but it was also a, a good group of baseball type people, you know, that were there and that uh, were talking about it. I mean, that's one thing, Rick. And you know, we've seen you know I've seen some tweets and some comments from people about you know why are you guys wasting your time on this? You shouldn't. You know, you're better than this. This is such a joke. You know, whether someone individually thinks it has any merit or no merit or what they think about it. We can't ignore this. This is a huge story, and, and obviously the Rays are very serious about it. They've got the blessing of Major League Baseball. I talked to the commissioner, Rob Manfred, you know, both in a group press conference and then 
you know, by myself off to the side. And, you know, he's very far, you know, very much behind the Rays exploring this. And, you know, even went as far as saying it was in the Tampa Bay Times article that, you know, owners are willing to let the team, let the Rays control two markets, which I thought was a big stumbling block. And he said, you know, if it meant giving up Montreal as a potential expansion site to make this franchise better, they'd be willing to do that too. So those were, you know, two of the, you know, maybe not the major hurdles, but two of the things that I thought were going to have to be dealt with from the ownership level. He seemed to think the owners would be on board if it gets that far. He did stop just short, and I don't know that this is really cause for optimism, but uh, he he did stop short of the rhetoric of saying, well, there's no way it could work in Tampa in Tampa alone. He did, and that, that actually was the most interesting part to me. And, and you're right, though. It's one of those things where at the moment, you know, as a reporter, you're like, all right, that's it. There's my hook. There's my lead. There's my news. And then, you know, by the end of the day and, and reading it, my own story back the next day, as I still tend to do, which is probably not the greatest idea ever because sometimes it makes you mad. Um I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe that was a semantical thing. You know, maybe that was, you know, he knew the answer, but he wasn't prepared to say it, or, you know, he didn't want to throw a negative onto what he was trying to support it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how big a deal it was, but I thought it was indicative, you know, first of all, of his support for it, but you're right that maybe they're not, MLB is not ready to say it's the last chance, which Stu Sternberg did say, or highly unlikely they would try to come back and Brian Alt's comments about the market, you know, being uniquely unqualified to support a major league team. So, you know, the commissioner has said repeatedly that this is a major league market. So maybe in his mind, it would have been bigger news for him to come out and say it wasn't, you know, so, so I don't know. I don't know how much to read into that, but I did think it was definitely worth noting and probably the more interesting thing outside of the previous points I made that he said. Well, the Rays did have three players at the All-Star game. Of course, Austin Meadows was the only one that played. Charlie Morton had pitched uh, the Sunday previous to that, and Brandon Lau uh, was coming off the IL. So they all had different experiences. But on the whole, uh, what you what'd you garner from, from those three guys uh, being at that event? Well, I, I think it was exactly as you would have expected. Charlie Morton, you know, just totally at ease, totally comfortable. You know, one of the guys that other people were coming up to and wanting to talk to and you know, I, I, it's funny. I mean, he pitched on Sunday, so he wasn't going to be able to pitch on Tuesday. He maybe could have pitched on Saturday and, you know, maybe could have thrown an inning. But I think he really felt like, you know, he went last year for the first time at 34 years old. Very weird. As he said, it was really weird to be the old guy and the first time guy last year. It was kind of crazy for him. And he got to pitch. And I think this year he viewed it as, you know, it was an honor to be chosen again. He'd love to go for the experience, but he wanted someone else to get added to the team to get that experience as well. So it was a little bit of a magnanimous gesture. Uh, for him to do that. And I think he enjoyed it. You know, he's got four kids under six. I mean, doing anything is complicated. How about taking them all to an all-star <laughs> game and being in a parade and all that other stuff? I mean, I don't know, man, you got two little beautiful girls. I think they get them to the grocery store. You're complaining. So I don't know about taking Absolutely. four to an all-star game, riding in a flatbed truck with them in a parade and the smoking hot sun and all that stuff. So Charlie Morton, definitely. Uh, I know he was going, they were flying the whole group straight up to Baltimore uh, yesterday morning, and he said Thursday was going to be the chill day, so hopefully he got his rest because it was a hectic couple of days. And then the other two guys, exactly what you think. It, it, you know, never, this is one of those things to me that never gets old, covering guys at their first All-Star game. And in a way, it's like a similar story, but it's always a little bit different. And Brandon Lau, just kind of the quiet guy sitting off to the side, he, he you know had to double up lockers with Tommy LaStella. They didn't even have enough lockers in the clubhouse, but didn't mind, couldn't play because the bruised leg, just soaking every bit of it in. And then Austin Meadows, you know, just kind of like, wow, I'm here. Like, he just kept saying that over and over again. You know, it's so surreal. It's so surreal to be in this room. And, you know, he's got this giant trunk of swag under armor sent him that they sent all the guys that are their clients, you know, wearing their stuff. And 
he kept saying he really wanted to, you know, be able to talk to Mike Trout, and then he ends up in the outfield playing alongside Mike Trout. And you know, he's usually a quiet guy in the clubhouse, but that was probably the most expressive I've seen Austin Meadows just during those couple of days. I, I think it's something. Yeah, you know, they all say it like once in a lifetime, remember forever. But I really think Austin Meadows will be that guy. You know, he came through a tough June. I mean, obviously, he was leading the American League at one point. Uh, uh, you know, in uh, earlier in the season, and then he admitted, Mark, that, that the pressure of of wanting to go to the All Star game, the talk about it, might have affected him. Yeah, that was interesting, and you know, Cash actually said that that was kind of he took that as a sign of maturity that he would admit it because it would have been easier to it would be easier to think that and not say it publicly. Sure. And I, and I think actually the Rays were a little surprised because he said it to Cash and the, and the GMs, uh, you know, when they told me he made the team. And then I think Cash was surprised to hear that he told us the same thing, that he said it publicly to the media. But, you know, I, I think it was a sign of, you know, Austin being realistic and, you know, kind of admitting, you know, like say, hey, I, it got in my head a little bit. And, you know, the Rays' hope obviously is now that he, he went to the All-Star game, he had the experience, he'll relax and get back to being the player he was, you know, in those first couple months of the year because he was uh, incredibly good those first two months. Well, let's talk about uh, the Rays' second half. As I mentioned, they had a rough June, but they did finish the first half with two wins against the Yankees to split that series. And as good as they've been, and I think John Romano wrote this as well, I know you have, it's not, a, it's it's an imperfect team. I mean, they have some issues they need to address, starting with the bullpen. And I, I would guess that if they're going to do something, they'd have to do it now to bolster it. Uh, what can they do? What will they do? And do you think they do it soon? Yes, no, and maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and I mean, see, I, I, right? Yeah. I think they will. I think they will, and, and pretty much have to do something. I mean, and if if they had any thoughts of maybe these guys can figure it out, I think losing Jose Alvarado, you know, for six yeah. to eight weeks, as bad as he was, as bad as he was, but still, he's not always going to be that bad. So I think losing Alvarado for six to eight weeks, and then on uh, Thursday they found out that Chaz Rose also on the injured list. Now he's got some kind of arm elbow. Uh, flexor muscle. They're not sure exactly what, but they're calling it a flexor strain for now. So he's on the injured list as well. So yeah, it's just a patchwork group. I mean, Emilio Pagan has looked really good a lot of days, and he's had some days where that ball just flies over the fence when he serves it up. So to think that Emilio Pagan and Diego Castillo, who is activated now for Friday's game, you know, to think those guys are going to be your two best guys at the back end of the bullpen, I just don't see that being sustainable. And the support crew is not experienced. You know, Kalarik, Colin Poche, obviously a rookie. Kittredge, you know, is riding a hot streak right now. But this is a guy who didn't, you know, wasn't even on the roster. Got taken not just off the big league team, but off the roster over the winter. So they need a couple guys. There's some been there, done it guys. And the question is who, obviously. And, and you know, there's it's interesting because a couple guys that if we had this, and we may have had this conversation when I was on a couple weeks ago, you would have thought might have lined up well for them to go out and get a big name guy. Their teams are now back in the race. Doolittle with the Nationals, Brad Hand with the Indians. I mean, those were two guys that you know might have fit that profile where the Rays might have spent a little money in terms of salary, taking it on in terms of prospects, and got a true guy who can get you out of some games and win some games for you. And those two teams are right back in the middle of the race now. So I don't think those guys are going anywhere. You know, who else is left out there? I mean, obviously Alex Colomay, who they had. I don't get the sense that they're going to look in that direction. Kirby Yates, actually, another former Ray who's having a lot of success with the Padres. You know, but not really an overpowering guy. I'm not sure if that stuff plays as well in the AL East as it does you know, over in the NL West. So I, I don't know. I mean, Giles with Toronto would be a possibility. Felipe Vasquez, the guy who was a Rays minor leaguer with the Pirates. You know, there's some interesting names out there, but... I don't know, you know, who the guy is. I mean, Edwin Diaz from the Mets will be the guy, probably the most prestigious, you know, most decorated, 
most have had success type of guy out there. But again, you know, with a Seattle team that hasn't been in the playoffs, he hasn't done it in a playoff situation. He's just done it in the regular season. So I don't know if you go spend a ton of capital to get that guy when he hasn't proven himself yet. So it's really going to be, you know, this isn't like, oh, there's going to be three guys they are just not going to pay enough. I, I don't even know who the top three guys are if you try to figure out who's going to be available and who isn't. It's interesting, uh, and and you mentioned you know now they got Jose Alvarado is out. I guess uh, you've reported for uh, maybe up to six weeks with the abdominal injury. Chaz Rowe, I guess, could miss some time. They might, I guess, get Diego Castillo back. I mean, they're going to have to patch this together and do it pretty quickly because they've got a four game series in uh, what three days against Baltimore, and then it's on to the Yankees. Yeah, and you know whether they pull this off or not, I actually think it's going to work the other way, Rick. I think they're going to wait and see how that Yankee series goes before they do anything, because that's going to play into this. If they, you know, they're six and a half out as they start, you know, post break, we, we always call it second half, but really post break play, they've already played 91 games. Uh, you know, and I think that's going to be the most telling thing. I mean, if, if let's say they go in there five and a half out and they win three out of four, they sweep them and they're, you know, one and a half or three and a half out then you are probably a little bit more willing to be aggressive and, and trying to make a move thinking you have a chance to win the division. If they lose a couple or they go in there and, you know, get swept and they're you know, nine and a half out or ten and a half out or something, then you probably think you're just playing for the wild card at that point. And I, I don't think you spend as much just when whether that means prospects or money. I mean, it's not a matter of being cheap. It's a matter of being smart, too, at times. And you know, if you're nine and a half or ten and a half back and you're just about at the end of July and you're watching how well the Yankees are playing and knowing that they're going to get healthy and that they have the resources to make whatever additions they have to make, you probably aren't going to run them down, so maybe you don't get as crazy for the one-game coin flip playoff. Yeah, that that certainly will tell a lot uh, about how they move forward. So, uh, as far as pitchers go, and you know, I think this team obviously lost a lot when Tyler Glass now went down. Um, they haven't seen Matt Duffy this season really. So, what is the, the the prospect for any of those guys coming back post break? Well, I think Matt Duffy, believe it or not, could be back by next week, which which is wow. you know. People are going to be like, yeah, right. I mean, I already put a little stuff, a couple things on Twitter Thursday afternoon. And, you know, people just being pretty terrible people, really, about, oh, he's going to get hurt. This is what's going to happen and all that. But he is at Durham. He's going to play through Saturday at Durham, and they're going to kind of do a little reassessment. Uh, they wanted him to get, like, 25 to 30 at-bats, you know, kind of playing every day. And I think at the end of the week, you know, if he gets through – successfully through Saturday he'll have like 20 or 22 or something like that roughly so probably needs another two or three games but you know they play those four in New York they come home and they've got the White Sox and the Red Sox here so he could be back around then and that would add an interesting dynamic because yes he hasn't played all that much obviously he hasn't played this season he missed some time last year but when he has played for the Rays he is a little different he's a contact hitter he's more of a grind it out at bat kind of guy he's not a big swing and miss you know swing just for the fences as uh, some of the other players that we've seen them have, and you know, they add a little balance to that lineup. So that's a possibility. For Glass now, the big day is Monday. He goes and gets uh, the new MRI, gets kind of the imaging redone, and if that shows that the forearm is okay, the inflammation's out of there, you know, there's no damage or anything, then he can start throwing again. And not throwing you know, off a mound initially, obviously just playing catch, but that can get, start that build-up to get him back maybe sometime in August or so. So those are... Two pretty big days. I said, we're not sure yet on Roe Alvarado, six to eight weeks. And, you know, that's kind of where the core of their help is going to come from, from their injured guys, whether they can get Glass now back, which would be huge in that regard. And then Duffy would be almost like picking up a trade acquisition with a bat that you can pop right into your lineup. 
Obviously, uh, Charlie Morton has gone great in the first half. He's the one thing that has worked out, uh, particularly in their starting rotation. Uh, Blake Snell, you know, uh, did not uh, have the kind of half that he wanted, obviously. But it, it seems that, Mark, maybe he's figured some things out and he's back on track. Do you think he's uh, there are more adjustments to make, or, or what do you think he'll do after the break? I mean, the last couple of games have been pretty good for Blake Snell. And, you know, I know he has been adamant and, and you know, almost – I don't want to say like confrontational, that's a way too strong of a word, but, you know, adamant that there's been no issue. You know, there was nothing with health that that broken toe early in the season. There was nothing lingering from that, that didn't impact him. It didn't change his delivery that, you know, there was nothing to that. So, you know, no one's going to be able to prove otherwise. And he feels very strongly about that. It was obviously the natural conclusion to make that he had that weird thing happen. He broke the toe. He came back what seemed like very quickly and just didn't pitch very well for an extended period of time. But there is some interest, you know, an interesting case to be made. I've seen a few people break this down and some of the stuff I don't, I'll be honest, I just don't know what some of the abbreviations for some of these super advanced metrics are, but in his QBC X to the three ratio, he's doing much better. And, uh, there, 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 but seriously, there are some stats that, you know, are, are understandable. And, uh, you know, he actually has some better numbers than he did last year. I mean, the ERA and the wins loss obviously is nowhere near what he did last year, but you know, like strike percentage, swing and miss percentage, pitches in the zone. I mean, there's a lot of things, fastball velocity. There's a lot of things that he's done as well or better than he did last year. Now, it's not all luck. It's not all bad draw. It's not all cursor winning the Cy Young. Obviously, it's executing pitches. It's throwing, you know, not throwing bad pitches at the wrong time, not throwing pitches that could hit out when there's guys on base versus solo homers. There's a lot of stuff he can control. But you know, I think there is some merit to what he's saying, that it hasn't been as bad of a year as you end up thinking it is when you look at the one loss ERA and then even how quickly he's gotten knocked out of some of those games. You know, it's funny. They, they got Charlie Morton, right, who has been there and, and experienced the, the, the highest of highs, uh, you know, winning World Series with Houston and at 35 years old having this sort of renaissance that he's had. But on, on the lineup side, you know, with Duffy out, I mean, you know, they got a bunch of young players. I know Kiermaier's obviously been here for a while, but as far as guys that have had – been in pennant races and had postseason success. Mark, is there a chance they could add a bat, somebody who has had that, you know, sort of Morton-like experience that is towards the end of their career? Yeah, there are. And, and I think the fact that they had some interest uh, reportedly in Encarnacion when he ended up with the Yankees a few weeks ago, and that was a guy yeah. that, you know, obviously they could have had during the offseason as well. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's some other names out there that could yeah. be available, but I don't know if they – both give you like what you'd want for the lineup, maybe some positional flexibility and have that postseason experience. Like for example, a guy like Jose Abreu with the white right. Sox, he's got some power. He's got a little mm -hmm. flexibility. He can play first or he can DH, but he doesn't really have, you know, that postseason pedigree. So, you know, where yeah, would your trade off yeah. be? And maybe then maybe there's some guys on some teams that have been in the postseason, but maybe don't have exactly what you're looking for. And, you know, I, you, you can't ever say, you know, you're not going to look at that race team and say, oh, they don't have, you know, there's no holes. There's no way to, where you can upgrade. But if you go around and the versatility can be kind of a blessing and a curse, but where would you add a bat? I don't think you're going to add an outfielder because you've got Garcia. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Meadows, Kiermaier, and Fam. you kind of want those four guys to keep playing. They rotate them in, usually one DHs, but I don't think you're going to add another outfielder to that mix. And if you right. get a DH type, then you're going to take away at bats from one of those guys. You know, Choi mm-hmm. at first base obviously hasn't been very productive. Nate Lowe's up here now. Choi should come off the DL Saturday or Sunday or the IL, and he'll be back. So, you know, first base is probably the one area. You're not going to replace Brandon Lau. You know, Willie Adamas, you could replace, but how many shortstops are there that give you the power he has and can play pretty good defense? You know, Yandy Diaz, when he's played, the team's record is tremendous when he's in the lineup. So if you've got him at third and a little bit of first, and, you know, catching has always been, you know, the situa- the position the Rays have had trouble filling. And while Zanino has been a disappointment offensively, they love his defense. And Travis Darno's actually chipped in with some pretty good offense. So, I mean, it's weird to say for a team that, you know, isn't running away with anything. In fact, they're, you know, quite you know, far back in the standing six and a half back as they start play Friday. But I, I don't know where the upgrade would be, maybe outside of first base. Well, I know this. They're on pace to win 92 games. They played a ton of games in very few days, you know, uh, probably more games than days there for a while. Mark, I know every team plays a lot of baseball games, and, you know, I'm in Chicago uh, soaking up the last few days of, of vacation, and here, they're you know, they're talking about the Cubs who are in first place, and maybe Joe Madden should be fired, and you know, they haven't played very well because they had a long stretch of games with no days off. Um, but the schedule is turning for them, and, and will it turn for the Rays? I mean, I know they don't have many more games with the Yankees, and that's probably a good thing since they've had virtually no success against them. But do they have some ground they can make up uh, by playing some of the lesser teams in the American League East, like Baltimore and Toronto and, and the others? Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. It feels like they haven't played Toronto in a while, and I know there's a couple more trips up there. In fact, they end the season up there, and they've got another one in late July. You know, they've got a couple series coming up with the Red Sox. There's a trip out west, which is San Diego and Seattle, which will be a very nice trip. should be two teams that they should be able to beat. So there are some softer spots, so to speak, in their schedule. You know, they're done with Minnesota. Yeah. They still have to go to Houston and play the Astros, but they obviously had the four against them to open the season. They won three out of those four. Um, yeah. After this week and after next week with the Yankees, it's weird because We'll be uh, It'll be July 18th, that last day for that last series in New York, next Thursday. And they don't play the Yankees again till September 24th and 25th, which are their fourth and fifth last games of the season. So, you know, that the, the fact, it, it's almost like if they don't take care of whatever business they can take care of this week, you need help the rest of the way. Because by the time you play them, the odds are that division's already decided. So mm. they really need to take advantage of this opportunity. They had the four games with them here. They split. You know, we talked about it was eight in a 12-game stretch against the Yankees, so they're two and two at this point with four to come. Wow. Yeah, well, it seems like that Yankee series might uh, tell the tale for their second half and whether or not they have any chance of the division or just fighting for a wild card. But um, it'll be it'll be an interesting half. Look, they've, they won 90 last year on pace to win 92. This has been a successful uh, sort of rebuild, if you will, of the race much faster than, than a lot of people anticipated, so it should be an exciting uh, continuation of the season after the All-Star break. And you can read Mark Tompkin in the Tampa Bay Times every day, and he'll bring you your race coverage. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. All right, man. Anytime, Ricky. Always good to catch up with Mark Tompkin, who's a busy guy, of course. And, uh, you know, I watched uh, the Yankee series and, and saw how the Rays finished up the end of the first half. They looked like a tired baseball team. I mean, they played an 18, you know, that 18-inning game, what was it, in Minnesota, heading into the homestand, and, and then – 
you know, of course, they haven't fared well against the Yankees, but they had two extra inning games that they lost and, and kind of blew leads in that one. But they did rally and finished, uh, you know, with wins those last two games. But the bullpen has, has been the big difference. And, you know, losing Tyler Glass now was, was what got them off to a good start when they had him. And then without him, you know, they had to scramble a bit with their pitching staff, obviously. And where would they be without Charlie Morton, Blake Snell? Hasn't been the same at least uh, the the first part of the year. I think he's starting to to be his old self again. Um, but you know, it's it's just a team that uh, you know that needs bullpen help, and, and we've said it all along. And now they got guys that they they hoped could do it, but they're injured. And uh, you know, Jose Alvarado has been bad. Now he's hurt again on the IL. So they've got to they've got to make a deal. Uh, I don't know. You know, this series against New York is going to be important. I mean, first of all, they got four games in three days at Baltimore before they go to New York, so that's going to chew up their pitching a little bit. But the way they have it set up, I think Blake Snell is going to start against the Yankees, so we'll see how that goes. But I, I, I'm, I agree with Mark that if they don't, you know, start to at least close the gap or at least maintain, you know, be be around five, four and a half, five games as as they come out of this series to begin this second part of the year that. Uh, that may that may tell the tale. I think they're probably fighting for a wild card anyway, but they're not going to get there. Even though I was, in, I've been impressed with Pagan at times. I've been impressed with Kittredge. I think who's who's pitching very very well of late. But they just don't have a guy that's been there and done that. You know, especially down the stretch in a pennant race when when every every game matters. And um, you know, we'll see if the schedule helps them out because I do. I think they have a little more favorable schedule this this second part of the year than they did the first. So. All that plays into it, and you know, uh, I I think they're going to hang in it for for most of the year, one way or the other. They should, but they're not a team that can mash like the Yankees do. So, no. you know, when your starters are only going five innings, and and they've been pulling Blake Snell early, even in the games he's pitching well, and you know Charlie mm-hmm. Morton doesn't go maybe as deep as you traditionally think of starters going. You're pulling your pitchers out. You cannot do it with two guys in the back end of your bullpen. You've no. got to have four, five, six guys that you can rely on when you have a lead mm-hmm. or in a tight game that you can get reliable innings out of. You know, more times than not, they're able to to hold the opponents to no runs when they're in. And right now, you've got Pagan and Kittredge, and I mean Diego Castillo is coming off the disabled list soon. We'll see. I mean, you know, he did not look good beforehand. Or maybe it was because of an injury. Alvarado's out for a while. Chaz Rowe, who hasn't looked good, but he's out now. I mean. You need arms. You need a. You need more than one arm to add to this bullpen. You need a couple to add. For a team that can't mash and just out hit somebody consistently, you've got to have more arms in that bullpen. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I think that had Alvarado and Castillo, you know, worked the way they did in September, had they been, you know, locked down and proven they could do it as eighth and ninth inning guys or or reverse of that or whatever. Um, then maybe they could have gotten by with Emilio Pagan and, and the Kittredges and guys like that. But you're right. I mean, they, they simply don't have a closer now. They don't have late-inning guys that they can lean on. So that, that elevates everybody else's role, right? And, and those guys are not really equipped to do that. They don't have the experience of doing it. They may become mm-hmm. that down the road. Who knows? But um, certainly they have good arms and all of that. But you, but you need somebody that's been there before especially if you're going to be in a pennant race and playing big games against the Red Sox and, and, you know, Texas or whoever it is trying to hold on to a wild card, um, you know, that's that's going to tell the tale because you're right. They're not going to bash people out of the park. They're not going to mash people like the Yankees. They're not going to separate games. Uh, they have to play great defense, and, you know, they can't make outs on the bases. they got to do everything pretty much, you know, right. And then, and you know, on those days where they don't hit like they did – 
in that final game against the Yankees, you got to win some two to one ball games, and your pitching has to do that. And they were able to get by with Kittrich and Pagan, you know, to close out that game last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not going to be the norm. So you, you know, I I look for them to make a deal if they're serious, and and maybe Mark's right. Maybe they'll play it by ear, wait and see how things go. You know, for that Yankee series to see how much money they want to spend or just what they want to invest. But uh, we'll we'll see where that where that takes them. It's going to be. It's going to be an interesting second half, though, because they're in a precarious position, and we're going to know pretty quickly whether the Yankees are just going to run away with this division, which I suspect they will anyway, simply because that that's one of the best teams in baseball. I think they they really don't have that many holes, and they're still sort of getting guys healthy, and um, I, I just think they're going to be a tough out in the American League in general. Uh, some other news uh, in the NBA. Boy, the, uh, the Western Conference just keeps getting uh, the best is in the West, as they say. So the Houston Rockets, Russell Westbrook is reunited now with James Harden, and they uh, are suddenly, uh, I think they're well-equipped to compete with anybody in the West. Well, I mean, you know, the last couple of years, they've been right there in the West and competing with Golden State. I mean, that was a tremendous series this year in the playoffs with Golden State. Absolutely. Now you upgrade to Russell Westbrook as your point guard over Chris Paul, who Chris Paul is a very mm-hmm. good player, but Russell Westbrook's better. And he's sure. played with Harden before, so... Yeah. You know, you have to hope that, you know, that chemistry and they know each other. And, you know, I mean, Russell Westbrook gets criticized a lot for being very selfish on the court. Tremendous mm-hmm. player. Um, although, you know, when he had a great number two, like Paul George next to him this past year, he I thought he was less selfish than he's been in the past. When you got James right. Harden now as your, you know, the, the other guy with you, you got you assume he'll be the same and, and – you know, I, I mean, obviously James Harden's the star of that team, but Russell Westbrook, tremendous player. So Houston gets better. The Clippers mm-hmm. are better. Uh, Golden State's going to, you know, they're without KD and Clay Thompson, who they've re-signed, but is going to be out for the season. So That's right. Um, you know, Anthony Davis gets out of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Western Conference is still stacked. Yeah, and I think the Lakers would be okay. But, you know, there was supposedly, you know, reports of some schism between Chris Paul and, and um, you know, James Harden, but certainly he's got already got the chemistry built with Russell Westbrook. Uh, those guys will work well together. I think it's a great deal for Houston, and OKC just keeps loading up on the draft picks. I don't know what they'll do with them, and there's no guarantee you're going to get players of the same caliber of the ones that you traded. I think um, for, like, the but, next seven or eight years, they're averaging two number one draft picks a season. It's incredible, yeah. With the What they got for Paul George, what they got for – um, Russell Westbrook and some other players. It's the amount of draft picks they have tremendous. Although Isaiah Thomas was on NBA TV tonight, and he was looking at uh, Thunder coach Billy Donovan, and his quote was, "He's like, I knew I should have taken that Michigan job." <laughs> As there was rumors that he was in consideration, or anytime a major yeah. college opening happens, and OKC hasn't made it to the the finals since he's been a coach there. There's always been talk he may go back. So I don't know if that was serious interest there, but. Right, right. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, also, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, you know, UConn has officially withdrawn from the American uh, Athletic Conference, and in so doing, they mentioned one of their great uh, former rivals, uh, the uh, University of Southern Florida. <laughs> yeah, where's that located? I don't, I'm not familiar with that <laughs> I don't college. Know. Lakeland, maybe. I mean, that's Florida <laughs> Southern. Is that the um, St. Pete campus? Maybe they call it that. You know, it's a little further south know. than. Up on Fowler Avenue, I don't know. They should know better. I mean, they were in the conference for a minute. You know, they know it's not Southern Florida, but you know, there there's always been this thing. I mean, I think for people around the the country that aren't familiar with geography, 
in Florida as much as we are. I mean, the name from the get-go, the name South Florida, I mean, we're in the center of the state. I always thought that was kind of a misnomer to begin with. Yeah, you, so South Florida, confusing. you think like, of Miami. You don't think of You think of, of Miami, yeah. Tampa if Bay. you ask anybody from another part of the country that aren't that familiar with Florida schools and you say, well, you know, I go to South Florida, I, I think in general they think regionally that you must be in the Dade-Broward area. Um, but in fact, you know, that's what they are. They're USF and not Southern Florida, which is Florida Southern, which is Lakeland, which but, is but a Division two. Are team, they so. USF or are they South Florida now? Because they keep going back and forth for the athletics. I think they're USF or South Florida, depending on what it says. I, I don't know. I mean, USF is, you know, the, if you live out west or you're west of Mississippi, USF is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was the original well, they, sort of they, they were always – they had been USF, and then I don't know if it's because they, they wanted to differentiate themselves from UCF, so they, then they wanted to be known as South Florida. I think they're South back to Florida wanting to be again. known as USF again. But Right, right. Yeah, you could be right. There's UCF, and yeah, yeah, it's alphabet soup, man as they say. Um, but, yeah, way to go, UConn. Way to, way to be on it on your way Well, you know, out. that football program such a powerhouse. They're going to miss it in the AAC. <laughs> yeah. No, they won't Wolf. at all. But I t- I'll, tell you who won't, I'll tell you who won't miss UConn, and that'll be the uh, USF or Southern Florida women's basketball team having to play those guys um, before they reach the tournament twice every Actually, year. Actually, I believe Jose Fernandez says they're going to continue to play UConn every year. Is he going to keep them in there? Yeah, okay. he wants to keep well, playing them. I mean, it's good competition. It's a good it makes, measuring stick. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Give you some national TV games for sure and get you tournament ready. So, hey, before we go, we got some uh, 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 some sad news. Astro, the beloved bulldog of uh, former race pitcher David Price, has died. He leaves behind uh, no playoff wins for the race. No, it's uh, remember Astro. I mean, Astro was like the wonder pup there. He for got a, a key to the city. Poor, poor. He did get. Did he get a key? Yeah, to the I mean, city? Bob Buckhorn really? presented him to, with a key to the city at one point. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? Uh, he was a good dog. I'm sure uh, pet lovers everywhere will be uh, saddened by that. Uh, French bull, French bulldog. Is that what he was? Mm-hmm. Some kind of yeah. bulldog. I'm, I'm looking at the Astro bobblehead on my uh, shelf here with all the rest of my bobbleheads. The Rays gave away bobblehead years ago for that. Yeah. Why wasn't he like named like uh, Raymond or something? Uh, Ast- Astros. I believe, seems was, to I believe be... he was named after the Jetsons. That makes sense. I believe. That was the, yeah, that was the Jetsons dog, but uh, I think you're right. But he never played, never, never, never chased a bone in Houston, from what I understand. So happy trails to Astro. We're sad about that. Listen, uh, the Rays begin a series in Baltimore, so it's a big weekend for the Rays. We're back here uh, resuming after the All-Star break. They got uh, four games in three days, doubleheader, I guess, on Saturday. And, Brendan McKay uh, should be called up to be the 26th man on Saturday and pitch correct. the first game. So Starting the first game there, and then it's on to start. the Yankees. Yeah, huge, huge series against New York over the weekend at New York. So, you know, the Rays with a chance to try to get back into the AL East if they can make hay. And like I said, I think, uh, you know, you look at the schedule, they got some some games coming up against the White Sox and, um, you know, some other teams, uh, you know, that uh, they might actually have some success against. So uh, we'll see if they can get it going. And if they make any deals, then Mark Tompkin will bring it to you. My thanks to him. You can read him on TampaBay.com. It won't be long. We'll be talking about the British Open or the Open Championship, we should say, over in England. So uh, we'll see if Tiger Woods can get back in the fray or what will happen uh, with that major. Yeah, it's the final major of the year. Because they moved the PGA Championship to May now to get out of football right. season. So the British Open being the final championship yeah. of the major. 
And speak, speaking of football, folks, we are oh so very close to the start of football season and the Ray or the Rays, the Bucks, reporting to training camp. Of course, uh, July 25th, the rookies will come in three or four days before that. So we'll start to have plenty of Bucks news and Bucks talk. Uh, We've got one veteran always... who will not be there for the first four games. That is correct. You're exactly right. I wanted to bring that up. Ryan Smith, the cornerback uh, for the Bucks, has been here for a number of years, has been suspended. Uh, this happened a couple of days ago uh, for four games by the NFL for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, vis-a-vis that could be anything from you know steroids to just a banned substance and there are many many of them and yet the the union and, and the NFL holds the players responsible for whatever they put into their bodies we haven't heard from Ryan Smith the Bucks Jason Light the GM said he was disappointed uh, this is something I guess that the the team has sort of known maybe since March there's an appeal process sometimes these things take take a while you'll see a bunch of these suspensions being announced now right before training camp that's sort of what the league does he was due to earn uh, $2 million this season, so he's going to forfeit about half a million dollars of that. And uh, he will not be uh, available to play the first four games, but he can practice and attend uh, training camp and play in the preseason and all of that. Um, it's going to be a, a tough road for him to make the team anyway, uh, and that might be why they concentrated on defensive back in the draft. Uh, you know, they, they certainly knew this, I, I think, before the draft. He's really was battling uh, for the fifth cornerback spot. I mean, you got Vernon Hargraves and Carlton Davis sort of slotted in as the the starters right now, but then there's Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean, who they drafted, MJ Stewart coming back from last year. So um, it was going to be a sort of an a, an upward road <coughs> road for um, for Ryan Smith to make this ball club, and now uh, they don't have to make a decision on him. They'll be able to carry him on a suspended list, and then decide after four weeks when he's eligible to come back whether or not they want to uh, to keep him uh, or maybe you know save save the two million dollars on the salary cap for other reasons and and go ahead and, and and cut him loose based on you know sort of the injuries and where they're at but tough break for Ryan Smith you, you know you hate there's almost no reason really for these guys um, you know to sort of you know be caught this way if you will I, I know a lot of them take supplements but um, like I said, they, they do a pretty good job of, of analyzing, you know, what, what you can and can't. And if there's any, any question, you just ask the union um, or, you, you know, you can get plenty of instruction about what not to take. So unfortunate for Ryan Smith, but uh, that's, you know, that's the way it goes. And um, he will not be with the Bucks for the first four games of the regular season, at least. We'll see what happens in training camp and how it all plays out. So. Uh, busy weekend. We'll be back next week. We appreciate everybody listening. We'll probably have a mailbag sometime next week, but you can always a- ask us questions if you want to on Twitter at SportsDayTB. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.